Welcome to Disorderland, spooky edition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jesse Meadows. And I'm it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're taking this seasonal excuse to talk about one of our favorite things, horror movies. I'll put a screenshot of us in the extended show notes at disorderland.substack.com. Go subscribe if you haven't, but we decided to dress up for this occasion. I went for a sort of gothic demon vibe, and Aisha is in a full demon clown costume, which is uh, terrifying to be having a Zoom call with. (laughs) But um, I have referred to horror movies as my self-scare routine before, which is a pun that I'm very proud of and will continue to repeat. (laughs) But I really use them as like a coping mechanism. And so I thought we could talk about how we use horror movies that way and like what is soothing about them for us. Yeah, I recently wrote a newsletter about microdosing on change. (laughs) And I use horror movies as a way to microdose on being scared (laughs) where it doesn't have to be my whole life. You know, I can like get the dose of uh, fight or flight like intensity that I need without Mm -hmm. having to be like, this just has to be my entire relationship. Yeah. And it's like a safe kind of way to experience that. I was reading that the kind of horror movies that a person likes depends on what they consider to be safe and what they consider to be unsafe. So Mm. like, I really like ghost stories because I'm like, oh, it's not real. You know, but I'm not really into like the torture or like serial killer Mm-mm. stuff mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, that could maybe happen, even though it is like really sensationalized and like over the top. <laughs> Costume adjustment. Okay, now this is better. <laughs> I still put on makeup so people can see that I'm a clown, but you know. It looks good. It looks very um, unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just <laughs> I just took a lipstick and just did things and was like I'm just gonna experiment with with not having not having any plan here but I also resonate with the I don't watch like torture porn I guess I don't watch slashers I don't watch gore I I'm very disturbed and genuinely just like confused at It's not appealing to me. What's appealing to me is like the unseen, I guess, where, Mm -hmm. but that I also know why, because it's similar to like the fear that I have under capitalism, where I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. Right. And it's like this like ever present danger and you're not sure what it is, but it's like you could become homeless (laughs) if you make the wrong move. Like you, you could lose like access to basic resources. Right. And you don't know. And that's just why people just wake up and do the same thing every day so i feel like that's the allure like i don't know what's what the thing is that i'm scared of and that makes it scary for me like the unknown the fear of that yeah just like uncertainty. uncertainty yeah yeah, yeah that is really scary <laughs> and that's what i like about like demon movies and poltergeist movies that half the time until you usually like you know just jump scares or until the very end you don't see the thing and it's just people's fear and and that's how like life is like you see their fears work up in like relationships and in their families they start like bickering at each other and you see everything fall apart and i'm like that's familiar (laughs) yeah and that like i I think you're talking about like a really existential kind of fear where it's like i don't know what's gonna happen i could die any moment and like the knowledge of that and like watching movies where the scary thing is uncertainty is like you said like a way to microdose (laughs) 
<laughs> the existential fear. I also feel like it's, I have a lot of anxiety and it's this very like free floating kind of dread. Like it doesn't have like a specific thing that I'm anxious about. It's just like a feeling. And so when I watch horror movies, it's like I have a place to channel my <laughs> abstract dread. <laughs> and so it's really soothing. And like when I watch something like a drama or a comedy, it's like, it's not like distracting enough from that feeling. So I can still feel yeah the anxiety i find horror movies as a way to it's my grounding technique and i'm not kidding like no i use it like that too it's it sounds but i've had to like think about these things right because i think we've we've talked about how trauma responses and like ways our bodies have responded to living under oppressive systems has been either denigrated to be a super positive thing or a really negative thing, right? It's like good and bad. Either you've uh, like overcome this adversity and harnessed it to become a really successful person and you're just a really good story now, or your life is falling apart and the more you're not able to conform and assimilate under capitalism, it's like, oh, that's a bad thing, right? But it's like everything's sort of just neutral in nature and everything has a bad or good manifestation, whatever you want to call it. Like, and I think for me, grounding is that like I've realized early on now I talk about it as hyperactivity, but it just means like a high energy state to me feels like a baseline, like, you know, that I've been at for a long time. I've noticed like good and bad manifestations of that. I mean, it, on one hand, it means I take like very short breaths. <laughs> And I'm constantly like, like pretty Slightly much all day. Yeah. Like all the time. And I, I real I realized that, like I realized when I just learned about like better breathing techniques, I was like, is this how you're supposed to breathe? <laughs> like, like, and then I realized I take really short accelerated breaths and that feels like a good place to be. And that to me is either like intense excitement and curiosity or like, oh my God, something terrible is going to happen and I'm afraid. But it feels in my body like the same thing. So I've like mm -hmm. chased that in different ways. Like I've chased that in like um, when I have an idea and I follow it through, right? Like it's like, oh, cool. Like that's kind of like creative excitement or like adrenaline junkie stuff that like skydiving. That's cool. Like the first, what, 9.8 seconds or something that you're dropping out of the plane. You're just like, damn, you're like in free fall. Right. It's like, but what is that? It's like, to me, it's like Zen. I can't meditate the way most people can. To me, it feels really like unsafe and just my, I'm not meditating. I'm gone. Like I'm like actually disassociated. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be still. Yeah. I could never jump out of an airplane, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I get what you're saying about it. Like being a, a comforting thing. It feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like it feels familiar. And I know that it's not a good place to be all the time. Like I've realized that now and my life used to not mirror that understanding before. Right. So my relationships look like me constantly jumping out of a plane and never hitting terminal velocity, just eternally in free fall <laughs> where the feeling of falling just existed all the time. So now I've like understood that that doesn't have to be how it always is. So my relationships feel like, you know, stable and secure. And I'm, I've found safety in what used to feel unfamiliar, I think, like that kind of stability relationally. But I've found ways to explore that feeling of intensity elsewhere because I've realized it's a neutral thing. And I've found ways to channel that, like to do cool things that I care about. So I'm like, it's not just bad at baseline, like, you know, disassociation, I've realized 
can have really healthy, cool manifestations. Like it's what, it's what makes people really imaginative and creative because you can actually, you're, you're, you are gone <laughs> from your body yeah. and you're like imagining alternative like worlds. And it takes a certain capacity of having done that for a long time to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think another reason maybe we particularly like horror is because it's about like boundary crossing and like the limits of like society and like what's acceptable and being able to like ask questions about that. It's a kink. It kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it is, right? Like, I think about it, it's in the same realm of like how people have taken, which I think is trauma responses and found safe, consensual ways to explore like what feels safe and unsafe for their bodies within the realm of still creating like micro safety within consent, yeah, which I think is like, like this cool thing. Yeah, it's playing for adults yeah. who are really traumatized. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you'd like have to be traumatized to enjoy it. But we all there are, right? Like, like, I mean, <laughs> in some capacity. <laughs> there definitely is an aspect of like getting to be more childlike. Like we get to dress up and like, you know, put on costumes and like just imagine. And I mean, that is the realm of like, certain types of horror where I think it just and that can be again good and bad right like there's like the type of horror where you're just exploring things in society that we don't talk about that we probably should talk about and now you get to watch it and be a part of it viscerally for like an hour and a half or two hours or whatever it is and then there's the other realm of like exotification of the other right so like the horror trope of like East Asian horror, where it's like white dude mm -hmm. goes to Japan and gets haunted, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. or a bunch of hikers go into the woods and, you know, get kidnapped and eaten by a tribe. Like, and that's, I think, one of those, like, you know, humans are making horror. So all of these intrinsic biases are showing. Yeah. What are your favorite genres? <laughs> okay. So I do really like the end of the world type genre, which I think has like several subgenres, right? Like, like day after tomorrow, zombies. like, yeah. yeah, zombies. Uh, and now early on zombies used to be very different than the ma manifestation that it's taken more recently, which has become like almost exclusively like infectious diseases related horror, yeah. which for me is just, yeah, just intellectually exciting, but also I'm just like, that's not how any of it would work, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the beginning, it was like paranormal, like exactly. uh, Day of the yeah. Dead and, yeah. uh, or Night of the Living Dead. It was like, yeah. yeah, it was a like a weird paranormal thing. And apocalyptic stuff used to be so concentrated and it still is in some realms on either nature fighting back or aliens, yeah. which is still nature fighting back, right? It's like what we're afraid, again, and that goes out to like, a fear of the unknown but i've always found that interesting in terms of like the realm of um just exploring like even ecological collapse and like how people like rise from the collapse and like the type of societies you would create and how would you build you know how would you build alternatives because it's over like whatever you know whatever systems existed are gone and i think yeah. that has been interesting <laughs> well and the scary thing in those kinds of movies like zombie movies or like any any movie where society collapses it's more about like how the survivors like relate to each other exactly. and like yeah. the scary kinds mm -hmm. of like things that can happen in that context and what people think is intrinsically human but i don't yeah. think so like i've been very critical of the like if all of these systems like disappeared and we actually have some sort of abundance now like like you have an abundance of resources and you realize that right it's like would we just be paranoid and like turn into factions that hate each other and recreate these structures i actually don't think so but so that's mm -hmm. where it's like kind of like interesting to explore what we've presumed to be 
the law of biological nature, which I don't think it is like competition and survival of the fittest. And like all these like ideas are now explored. Like what if we didn't have authoritarian structures and we could recreate, right? Like what would that look like? Yeah. I can't really think of like a good example of <laughs> like a movie that's like, no, actually people wouldn't be like brutally there murdering each yeah. other. Like I think they're all kind of, they portray like this just runaway like yeah. anarchy or yeah. like a version of anarchy that's like chaos. Well, a, a misunderstood version of what people yeah. think anarchy is. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which all comes from a fear of each other, right? Constant, like a hyper individualistic, like you're not safe around anyone at the end of the day, but yourself. And yeah. you should always be wary of another person. You should always be wary about even offers they make of kindness and be suspicious Mm -hmm. about what and it's like driving that to like the nth degree in these movies right so i actually think it's like exploring in a weird way this narrative that even without capitalism people would be capitalists right it's capitalist realism yeah like i'm like Mm -hmm. i actually think people would be free and find a way to be like you know how do we how do we want to do this right now right um and i actually think people would rely on each other for safety and explore interdependence especially if you don't have like you're not you can't rely on this like government anymore right there's no farce anymore so yeah and there's no like (laughs) money to like i mean i guess you could hoard resources and food and stuff but i don't know because like if if it's like people who grew up under that and like learned to relate in that way then like i think maybe in the beginning oh of course there'll be a huge transition yeah 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 but like future generations have you seen um station 11 I did. And I saw, I was just thinking about that. I think that might've explored some of the, like, uh, the earlier generation is like really traumatized and going through like replicating structures, but that is how we're seeing things now, even without it, we are heading there, right? Like if we look at our world today in a little bit, like we are in that transitionary phase where people are building these autonomous alternatives of like ways we can relate to each other non-transactionally, but we still have the transitionary period being really difficult because we don't have these structures already. So Mm -hmm. we're creating them now in real time. So we're seeing that like it's experimentation and we're seeing the blowback of that, but trying to move through it. And I think it's like, yeah, it's like an interesting exploration of abolition in this like really visceral context, I guess. Like, how would you mm-hmm. do that? Um, but also there are some that I think of that are exploring like the alien genre. That's always been really cool to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Prometheus and like the alien versus predator, uh, which is it's part of that series. But Prometheus, which is really interesting. Um, and also we talk about this a lot. Uh, Annihilation and like, which is part of the. Oh, yeah. Uh, like southern eco, reach mm-hmm. cosmic horror, horror. Mm-hmm. and have you seen color out of space oh yeah the nicholas cage movie <laughs> uh-huh. i really love that one it's i think just those like, are actually beautiful like in some ways you know <laughs> yeah because it's really about like how humans just have no control and we're just these tiny like powerless <laughs> creatures in the face of like cosmic vastness yeah horrors beyond our understanding yeah and it, yeah. but beauty beyond our understanding too and i thought that those are really explored in these alien movies i think that like i think that's how i felt watching annihilation when i was like i want to be that humanoid plant rather than mm-hmm. i'm afraid of it but also like the scenes you know where you see this amalgamation of like you can't tell apart whether it's a human or a plant or a tree or like an animal anymore and it's all coming into one and i'm like that's already what we are. It's just like taking that to the nth degree, that's like level of real interrelatedness and like interdependence and just being like, what if you truly just couldn't tell, right? Yeah. How, how would you have to recreate conceptions of like 
human superiority complexes, basically. Yeah, you got to read the books because they're even. Weirder. Oh yes, like, yes, yes. The, the books are the books are very, very trippy and explore certain like institutional hierarchies mm-hmm. and like all these other concepts that I think are interesting. And just like there's more monsters in the books yes. than we're in yes. the movie, so I, yes. I love it. I always love a monster. <laughs> and just like thinking about monstrosity and like what is humanity and all of those questions, like like what counts as human and when do you stop being human or like. Yes. If you got combined with like these other life forms, then like. Yeah. And I mean, that explores like Octavia Butler's like fiction, right? Like, but I think those are like really beautiful questions to ask. But some of them have done that, like Ex Machina and like AI. I think that's a huge thing. iRobot, like these movies that explore initially through fear, but eventually you realize sentience is impossible to define. And we can absolute code like. If you were coding a program, you could code free will within a defined set of choices, but that's who we are. Like we have, we can't just jump off the earth and defy gravity, right? We still have a defined set of boundaries we have to follow, but then we can have free will within that. But under oppressive systems, you don't really have free will anyways. So mm-hmm. so when you're going to work, you're robotified. I mean, you do still have like control over your mind, but I feel like increasingly we're losing that because now like exactly. yeah. corporations are like, oh, you got to do this mindfulness and you got to like reframe your feelings about this and like, right. you know, trying to control how we feel about things. And how you've been socialized since we were little, right? Like, I think like a lot of like what I talk about in terms of like childhood trauma is just like the trauma of like being raised at a under all these structures where since the day you're born, you're just told, here's all these things that you absolutely have to do in order to be considered, a, like have access to resources and be considered a, a worthy individual, right? And how much sentience does that really give you when you're just impressioned with all these norms and constructs and not, and then later possibly given, you know, whatever variables you might be able to explore certain choices, right? And then we we call ourselves sentient based on that. And it's like, are we like, you know, how much are we, <laughs> right? When, how, how much agency have we like had until you intentionally like reflect on these things and think about all that stuff right um versus i don't know like people thinking that machines can never be sentient when it's like yeah they can (laughs) like how do you define it like i don't know like (laughs) if it's just like free you know making a choice based on an informed set of input to have a reasonable output they can do that (laughs) yeah but like what about emotions and feelings and like self-awareness exactly but what are what does any of that mean right like what are those definitions what does it mean to be self-aware what does it mean to experience like because emotions and all that can be i guess based on the limited stuff that we know about science reduced to like oh these are just things wiring in our brains that like respond to some stimuli that we're experiencing right and it's like you can create an ai to mimic those exact like yeah, emotional, but not, but you know, <laughs> we're not just like chemicals. I don't think so. But neither do I think our AI, just because you can create, it doesn't mean it doesn't have agency. You know, I just think that like it explores for me, interesting questions of like, like with Ex Machina, where it's like clearly that thing passed the Turing test. Right. Um, but it's <laughs> like, it's a, it's a whole being now, right. Just because you created it does not mean that you can do whatever you want to it and use it to do whatever you want. Right. Mm-hmm, like, it's mm-hmm. like, these are ethical questions that I think are important to ask because when we question what sentience really is, we realize it's not a, there's no like clear cut anything. Like it's very, very, very like spiritual and in a realm that we don't understand, which means that we have to realize how ethics works when we're creating robots. Right to just do what slave labor, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, 
Uh, <laughs> it just creates all these interesting conundrums where it's like, how are you replicating oppression just by putting it on someone else now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did not expect to to think uh, that deep today. <laughs> now, You're like, like damn. Uh, I need to go so somewhere and think about what sentience is for a while. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because you think about like, yeah, to me, it's always just like expanding people's version of what they think it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's been used to declare like and, you know, anthropocentrism. Right. Like that humans are special. And here's why. Because we're sentient. Right. Or animals are. But nothing else is. And certain animals only. <laughs> yeah. um, and it just leads to, yeah, hierarchies, uh, especially now that we're creating life. It's very interesting, especially in the alien realm, right? Where like certain movies explore like we being created uh, by other, like by other oh, like higher order entities. Yeah. Raised by wolves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, if you were created by another, what does that mean for ethics, right? It's like, mm -hmm. so what? And it just explores hierarchies in an interesting way where it's like, yeah, if, even if you create life, I think there's all these reasonable like questions of autonomy and agency and equity that need to be thought about. Right. It's like it's not just that, oh, I created it so I can do whatever the hell I want to it. Mm -hmm. And that explores like parenting and, you know, parent child relationships. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's all about like how much power people think should be given to any life form or non life form, whatever they define life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, <gasps> <laughs> I'm just like I need a minute <laughs> yeah I also wanted to talk about madness and disability in horror because I think like the most common take that I see is that like horror movies are problematic because the disability representation is always this very stigmatized version mm. and I don't think that's always true. Like, yeah. I think it depends how the characters are being treated and like what the scary thing is. And it depends on like whether it's mainstream or not. Like maybe like some of the gimmicky mainstream, if we're talking about like, I don't know, American Horror Story, the mental asylum season, really like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, that was like, there's all sorts of problematic shit with like a lot of these like mental asylum trope movies, mm -hmm. right? Or like people with psychosis just being these like really scary, like literally like psychopaths and serial killers and just that whole realm of like the insane are just dangerous and whatnot. Yeah. Insane equals violent is the yeah. Yeah. official name of the trope. But yeah, that's in like, um, like so Everything. many horror movies. Everything, like, yeah. But I think like the haunted asylum genre is really interesting to me because I watched Grave Encounters recently mm -hmm. and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it it's like 10 years old so i'm <laughs> you've had time y'all can stop right here if you haven't watched grave encounters <laughs> yeah. go watch it and then replay this <laughs> the scary thing in that movie was not like oh these like crazy mental patients it was the actual place because they yes. get like stuck and they can't get out so like mm -hmm. the scary thing was like incarceration basically and this like hospital that is like a maze and and they are just kind of like wandering around this like labyrinth and they can't find the way out. There's also a doctor, like an evil <laughs> doctor character in the movie who's like doing lobotomies and it's implied that he like has some kind of occult thing going on. I feel like that's a common thing. I have seen that in in more more and more like TV shows and movies where the horror is the torture, like psychiatric torture that happens yeah. and the and the incarceration and institutionalization and the lack of agency 
and how horrifying it is to not have agency and yeah. to be subject to being a object that just has stuff, you know, done to Mm-hmm. Uh, and how horrifying a power dynamic is, right? Like, I think there's a lot more stuff that explores that aspect. Yeah, and, like, a lot of times it'll be clear that, like, these ghosts in the haunted asylum are, like, vengeful because of these things that have been done to them. Yes, so I don't necessarily yes. think that that is, like... No, that's that's legit. Are you kidding? I'd fucking haunt... I'd like to haunt a few psychiatrists. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and I do think that's legitimate. Like, I remember um, this might have been, uh, have you seen the movie Shudder? Uh, it's that movie where taking Polaroids is where through the Polaroid you see ghosts. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. And that's a genre too, but uh, just like old school equipment catching uh, <laughs> catching ghosts, ghosts. Yeah. yeah, more than modern mm-hmm. technology. Um, but yeah, that whole thing was the definitely the trope of like white couple moves to Japan and is haunted by a Japanese uh, ghosts. But the story was that like this dude, uh, his wife is trying to figure out why this ghost is haunting them, and she finds out that this dude was in a relationship with this person, and basically this person was like gang raped by him and his friends, and killed herself as a result of being like unable to like overcome that like intense trauma that that caused her and she's been haunting him ever since and again spoiler alert spoiler alert just please don't watch it if you don't have to if you don't care that's fine it won't ruin the movie um it might uh (laughs) the big thing was that she was scaring the wife to relay this message to her that hey be like do not take this like like the like basically misogyny and patriarchy and don't like believe what you're seeing right like it will affect you this kind of sexual violence will show up later on in your marriage because they're like newlyweds that have that like honeymoon phase right Mm -hmm. and this is when that haunting gets very intense for the wife but she realizes oh good god this was a form of solidarity like she was trying to and she leaves him at the end of the movie and Mm -hmm. i thought that was cool besides the exotification of the east like it was this this like legit message about like you can't just outrun and forget and not be accountable for for some harm that you cause right well and it's also like a subversion because like you're supposed to empathize with the ghost in the end like yep exactly ghost is actually like trying to help exactly yeah um i was reading this paper about stephen king and Mm -hmm. it was uh, in disability studies Mm -hmm. quarterly and looking at like how disability is treated in horror. And Stephen King does this a lot where his protagonists, uh, they either have disabilities or they're like outsiders or they're, you know, in in it, they're like the losers club. And the scary thing in his movies is like society and like the way that they're being treated. And norms. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting. And I think that they're the quote unquote heroes, right? Like they're the ones that end mm-hmm. up having what it takes to do things that are out of the norm and like really diverge. And that ends up being the thing that ends up like saving the community or like a, the greater group of people, I guess. Um, and I think there, there is something cool to that. Yeah. Cause it's like hard to, yeah, with it, it was just fun for me to watch the first one, especially because yeah, I was like, I was one of those kids or all of those kids at some point. Right. And you're mm-hmm. like, <laughs> that to me is better to relate to than a standard like you know hot guy and girl running to the forest like flailing and being like oh. <laughs> like I was like this is this is very relatable and scary even like I think that there's one figure of someone who's like abused by her dad and yeah. the journey that she goes through exploring like and understanding exactly who that dad was like that home environment even when she walked in and like that fear that she felt that was like 
that may, even made me like realize, oh, this is like, I have just normalized that. That's like not okay when I'm watching it happen to someone else. Yeah. So I feel like those kinds of movies where the point is not to say like, here's a disabled person or like an outsider and here's how we like defeat them and then like restore the order. You know, it's more about like, this is a problem actually. And like the horrible thing here is that like people are excluded for like their differences. Just being them. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think, I think it depends. It's not always. It depends. Yeah. Quote unquote problematic which is a word that i uh, have grown to hate <laughs> uh, it's the liberal go-to yeah oh my god let's cancel all uh, horror movies <laughs> <laughs> but oh uh, that does make me think of like though uh an important trope i guess too that is that disability in a very visceral physical way has been mm -hmm. used for like shock value just pure oh, like yeah. oh aren't you scared of this look at this look at how scary it is look at it and that is their horror element and you're like what are you doing? Like, yeah. Um, and that reminds me of like hereditary, which we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. Hereditary, but also like, like, uh, Jason and Freddy Krueger, mm -hmm. like all mm -hmm. these like serial killers who are yeah. like disfigured and like, disfigured. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in hereditary, it was just obvious because it like, it is more obvious with, with anything like physically diverging from the norm, I think, mm -hmm. where it's used as a monster because they have actually made that person into a monster, right? The monster mm -hmm. that you should be afraid of. And, and now it's not a like hypothetical monster. It's an actual person and mm -hmm. the way that they just look. And that's, you can see the cinematography and how it changes, like the way mm -hmm. that they zoom in on their faces. Like, yeah, it's like just for shock value, which I feel like is, yeah, is cheap. And also like the way they treat mental illness or like madness in that movie mm -hmm. is just very like it's uh, genetic and it gets passed down. And if you refuse treatment, then you're like irresponsible and you're traumatizing everyone around you. Like all and you're going to do something horrible because that's the only yeah. inevitable way that this gets passed down. Right. Like it's mm -hmm. just like there's nothing to it beyond that that violence like that's who you are and you can't do anything about it and the only thing you can do is relegate your agency and autonomy and just like give yourself up to be fixed <laughs> mm -hmm. i don't ari aster's movies like i don't mm. the way that he treats mental illness is just very like shock value like also in midsummer in the beginning there's a lot there's a lot with that movie yeah. <laughs> there's a lot i watched it and i was like is this white culture <laughs> like i have one question <laughs> like what what am i experiencing here like <laughs> i was very disturbed for many reasons yeah oh yeah he's a his his movies are like just straight up disturbing and not like super scary to me like it doesn't give me like an anxiety feeling it just kind of gives me like a uh, like a disgusted like like yeah disgusted feeling. with like where you're actually just exploring things that are not okay because you can make a movie out of it yeah like what are you doing like she just has to offer herself up to like be made i don't know like the whole like baby making and it was there were just lots of things that were yeah. like but specifically, like, in the beginning of that movie, her sister, mm -hmm. like, kills herself and their parents. Their parents. In this, like, mm -hmm. really graphic way. And the purpose of that, like, was solely just for her to have the main character A back to story. have, like, something mm -hmm. traumatic. Mm -hmm. And she's so shaken up and she's come, you know, here to, like, you know, overcome that experience. 
And it was just like, oh, let's just say a crazy person did something, right? Like, and just like yeah. tag that on there. And that's going to be a great character backstory to make yeah. this girl have all the sympathy. And it's just like, what do you, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really cheap. I feel like. And that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we, I don't think we, we, we didn't uh, plan to talk about it, but I think we would. Jordan Peele's movies. Mm-hmm. I think that's a new genre of horror. I think there's like certain cool, like genre changing horror, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Like it's the first of its kind to have done that or just like transformed it, how it's done in a certain way, like like the documentary, like found footage um, and Blair Blair Witch Project. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love seeing Jordan Peele just explore different ways of talking about like very explicitly political concepts through like Get Out and Us and now Nope. Exploring like, you know, in Nope, the spectacle through this like really fun adventure, like mm-hmm. adventure packed, entertaining movie <laughs> where I was yeah. like, I haven't, you know, been followed by an alien, but that whole thing where I'm watching something and I'm like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> like I've been, <laughs> I've been and being like, why are people watching? This is, this is so strange. Right. And then you like that, I think is the only way I've enjoyed like the whole gamified trope more so than like saw which yeah. I, uh, like that whole trope of like where life is truly a game under capitalism and they take that to the nth degree. I think that has been disturbing to watch, but like, yeah, I like how Jordan Peele takes that. Nope. Nope. Would you like to play a game? No, my life is no. a game. I would not like to play another game. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to escape here. Um. <laughs> I would like to exit this game. So <laughs> I don't like those tropes. Yeah. But oh, do you want to talk about the found footage? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's my favorite because I am like a nerd about cinematography because Mm. I was a photographer in a past life. And so when I'm watching movies, like I can't detach because I'm like looking at like, oh, how did they shoot this? You know, and so found footage is like it like closes the distance for me where I'm like, I'm in this. I'm like immersed. Like this is someone filming with their phone and like it scares the shit out of me. And I also love how, like, lately we're getting a new genre that they mm. call screen life, mm-hmm. which is like after like computers. <laughs> yep, pandemic horror, I guess. In, yeah, uh, in a much more real way. <laughs> well, and like live streams, people on Zoom and like actual mm-hmm. meetings, right? It is just this eerie feeling of being watched that's explored. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Host. Have you seen mm-hmm. Host? Oh, yeah. It scared the <laughs> shit out of me. And I watched, um, well, Deadstream is like kind of just funny, but it's like, <laughs> it, it's about like this disgraced uh, influencer who's like trying to get his following back by like staying overnight in a haunted house. And I just love that like there's movies coming out about like the horror of like parasocial relationships now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, and there's a couple of Black Mirror. Actually, Black Mirror is a good example of horror, I think, that's been very interesting where it's just like exploring actual real relationships to like digital capitalism and and technology. And Mm -hmm. again, it's like technology that already exists that within the framework of capitalism has been extremely dangerous and like altered the scope of how we relate to each other. And I like how mm-hmm. Black Mirror. Black Mirror is terrifying to me. I can only watch an episode and yeah. I need like a couple of it's weeks. I don't, <laughs> I do not binge like anything. Like I've watched one episode, taken a couple of weeks, another episode, but I've never watched it consecutively. It's like a lot. Yeah. Oh, and the other trope that like, I think is just the stereotypical classic is like haunted house, exorcisms, uh, this, I guess, spiritual realm of 
in some ways problematic where like one of the tropes that came out of that is like witch like but in just a terrible scary way <laughs> like mm-hmm. um and that's a interesting way to explore just like misogyny i guess um and the conjuring kind of did that the conjuring was like a famous really really famous mainstream movie that combined all these tropes it had an exorcism it had a haunted house it had creepy children it had a witch <laughs> like it had everything and yeah mm-hmm. the the whole focus there was like how the witch Beth Sheba, I still remember, was like haunting mothers that lived in that house. And all she did was make mothers kill their children. And and like that was their sacrificial uh, ritual. And I think that's always been in- interesting to explore like hysteria and like the crazy lady concept. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really explored. And mostly like movies with exorcisms and hauntings have targeted just like femmes, I guess, for the most mm-hmm. part. Have you seen... Um- there's a movie called The Power Mm-mm. about like this nurse who is working in a hospital during a blackout. Uh, and it's like a period piece, but it does kind of like subvert just like sexist tropes because there's like vengeful ghosts. And I don't want to like spoil it if you haven't seen just it. Tell me, just tell me, just tell me, just tell me, just tell me. Well, they're, they're being like haunted in this hospital and uh, it turns out to be like the ghost of this girl who got like abused by a doctor in the hospital and she's like getting her revenge and okay um i thought it was a really good like subversion cool it's called the power Mm -hmm. okay yeah i like any subversion like anything where the ghosts and the monsters are actually not the ghosts and monsters that you thought i love that shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. like my thing i'm just like like literally i've been writing so recently more about like aliens and exploring just like what we know and like why there's so much fear mongering uh, around like just other life forms that are that are not us and it has these rhetoric of like us versus them just like all the state yeah you know violence being inflicted on that when i'm like honestly like i feel like if there's evolved beings out there, they would have just like surpassed capitalism and just understood our interconnectedness in some capacity where like they'd probably be trying to help us. I don't know. Like, I'm just like, why is it does it have to be bad or good? You know? Well, and I think alien movies like historically have been about like xenophobia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like this thing coming from the outside and just invading, mm-hmm. right? Invasions. Mm-hmm. And like, it's interesting because it could just as much be just colonialism is not good. <laughs> but it hasn't been posed that way because colonialism has actually been posed in a very good way, which is like, we're just going to go colonize the moon and like, that'll be fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. It'll just be fine. We'll just go find other worlds to like take. But I think War of the Worlds did this like interesting thing where the thing that ended up like killing the alien, scary alien was the animals just came out and it was just like being exposed to like the bacteria that they had no immune response to and they just died and like Mm -hmm. all of these governments were so like caught up in trying to defeat them with like these big you know these big war machines and i thought that was kind of cool and i thought that was more like the whole colonial people introducing like diseases into like Mm -hmm. native indigenous environments kind of thing Mm -hmm. But like flipped because flipped, the yeah. colonizers are getting exactly, fucked. exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I watched Barbarian last night, which I think you would also like because it also has some <laughs> subverted tropes. And that's another way I'm not gonna like say because it's new and like it's oh, one it's of new. Okay. That I think that you should just go into like not knowing anything because okay. it's very like unpredictable. Okay. Oh, the it's other good. the uh, the other one that we want to talk about was the Duke. oh yeah mm-hmm. 
the Babadook is just like really sad, honestly. It is. Like, it is. Yeah. And I think there are more movies that I can think of that I've done that, which is just what they're exploring is actual trauma. So the common denominator seems to be like some sort of heavy loss or like uh, childhood trauma and it's now resurfacing. So an example of that would be like Haunting of Hill House and oh, yeah. the kids dealing with like everything that went on in their house when they were little and as adults being gaslit, right? to be like, nothing was real. You don't know what you're talking about. And they were right the whole time. And then they're like exploring different trauma responses where like one kid was like this really accomplished author because he was just trying to run from like ever addressing what happened as a kid. And then there was, this, you know, other kids were just like their lives were falling apart, but they were feeling the same uncertainty and fear and like constant paranoia because of legitimately what happened to them. But the way that they coped with it was so different. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. Like I, that resonated with me, but yeah, like Baba Duke was just like, just someone recovering from loss of like their partner and being a single mm -hmm. parent in a capitalist society where like no one's meant to be raised by like two people, let alone one, right? We're meant to be raised by a village because it takes a lot to like support and love and in an equitable way, take care of a kid. But if that burden falls on at best two people, we realize like what trauma a lot of like manifested in parent-children relationships is surely just capitalism and that burden of like having to provide in a way that's really isolating and lonely yeah yeah the babadook scared me but also like when it was over i was like oh that was like actually really fucking sad and like the loneliness in that movie is like so you can feel it you know yeah and that and that movie like it just talked about how she needed to basically like the babadook and even like the the poem from from the Babadook in the in the book that they would find was all about like eventually needing to confront and move through your grief and you can't just avoid it and pretend like everything's fine and just move on you don't have to do that right like mm -hmm. the only way you can deal with it is by moving through it and feeling it all and that's what she did like with the Babadook and mm -hmm. I love I actually really liked I thought you know it was going to go through the traditional route of she's going to banish it from the house type of thing but yeah. I love the part I'm sorry spoiler alert spoiler if you haven't <laughs> seen Babadook go watch it um <laughs> But I love the part at the end where what happened is she faced it, but she didn't make it go away. She fed it yeah. and she kept it in the basement because mm -hmm. she, and they didn't leave the house. They accepted it. And mm -hmm. I thought that was like so dope because that's the, you know, just coming close to like, I don't need to undo all these trauma responses yeah. and pretend my life never happened. I can't do that. Right. That's the closest mm -hmm. I've come to. I'm not going to fix myself. I'm just going to understand myself mm -hmm. and understand where there's been unhelpful manifestations of these trauma responses where like I've hurt other people as a result or there's it's just not helping anyone and then mm -hmm. that just doesn't mean you make it go away right like it's just like creating space for holding complexity and I just thought that was so cool that scene yeah. where at the end she's like you're not gonna do this but also here's some food like mm -hmm. we can like we can have a relationship that isn't just terrifying right and there's something really powerful about that. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And if you read it like in a mental illness sense or like a, in a madness sense, like the way that she was able to feel better and, and stop suffering so much is, is by like turning around Accepting. and like being mm -hmm. like, I'm going to try to understand this part mm -hmm. of me and like mm -hmm. accept it, you know? And I feel like the trope is usually like, this is a disease and you have to make it go it. away. Yeah. You have to like, yeah, treat it medically, make it go away. Yeah. Yeah. And it focuses so much on like external experiences, right? 
So the way that a lot of like diagnostic criteria are written for, for certain disorders, especially the ones that are considered unacceptable, right? Even within the realm of quote unquote neurodiversity is just like psychosis, especially it's mm-hmm. based on other people's uh, perceptions, not based on what the person is experiencing themselves. It's mm-hmm. like, um, including even like that goes for everything, right? Like, so even like autism or ADHD, it's based on other people's perception of when you're falling out of norms or like when you're not fitting in school or at work, it's not based on your internal experiences necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's so obvious with like, with things like psychosis. Right. And that's where the whole horror genre of like, Oh my God, what can these people do? What are they capable of comes from? So I like any movie that like turns that around to where you're exploring it through their internal lens. And they're going mm-hmm. through this journey of like being scared and like navigating this stuff and then like confronting it and accepting it, understanding it and seeing like all these manifestations. Cause like they did see initially with the, like in Duke, where she was like this terrible mom, right. That never had her shit together that like all these other moms were like, Oh God, like yeah. you're not coming to like the school events and like, you're <laughs> just like disheveled all the time. And like the external eye was interesting. And then yeah. you could like, we knew the internal experience at the same time. So we're like, she's just going through a lot. Like anyone in that position would be going through that. Right. And that judgment and that, like, you know, you're just like, you're not good enough. Like that was such an external perspective. Right. And it's like, you can't define danger based on just like hypothetical fears people have built up based on external projections. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't thought about that movie in that sense, but yeah, that's like personally how I've been able to cope best with like my distress is just being like, okay, this is here. And like, I have to just look at it and like, and, Mm -hmm. and befriend it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, like, even with like, I don't know, like, like even the less acceptable aspects of like my trauma responses, the trauma responses that people love are the ones that end up like, you know, being the reason that I'm like, I don't know, a clown. It's like, haha, look at me. I can dance and like make people not think about all the things that are hurting me, you know? <laughs> um, but the the other stuff, right? Like it's like psychosis, disassociation or like anything like that. It's like, it's interesting to take that approach of just like, just understand it. Like just, just make sense of it the way that you can. And it doesn't have to be this like positive, negative connotation. And I like movies that explore that realm. Yeah. I think that is also part of why I love horror in general is that it's just about like embracing deviance and like the Mm -hmm. wrong, bad, scary things about us. And people want to pretend those things aren't there or like try to deny them. But I'm like, ooh, let's talk about it. Yeah, because I've always wanted to experience these questions anyways, right? Like I've always wanted, I've always thought about like the thing that made me realize, oh, what are the things that people need, like communities need to survive are me eventually like really having to confront, like, I want to die. What does that mean? Right. So what would make me want to live? Like, what are the things that I would need? Right. And then it's just like seeing that through other people's lenses too. And other people's lived experience. Like that's the only way we're going to build these alternative autonomous systems, right. To care for each other, by actually being like in the face of our horrors, like the things that we're terrified of and moving through them. And I think that's, it's kind of this beautiful, like abolitionist, Mm -hmm. like, so cool abolition horror. I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's, let's explore these scary things. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'll put a list of uh, spoilers in the show yeah. notes because I feel like yeah. we spoiled like I so am, many movies. We spoiled like all horror for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Here's a list of movies to watch before you listen to this. Um, oh, that would really help. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that cool. would help, I guess. I'm I'm a kind though. I don't I don't really you know even if people tell me the end, I still go through the experience every time. <laughs> I also think like in the moment I'm there, I don't really care what's happening, so it doesn't ruin it for me. Yeah, I just feel like there are some movies that I'm really glad that I knew nothing about going into. Like I don't think all of all movies are like that, but like no, not all. But there are some where like what you thought was not at all, <laughs> yeah. not at all, like not even a little bit. <laughs> what mm-hmm. you what is really happening? And I think those movies are like absolutely worth it. Just like just going through the experience. Yeah, Barbarian, and then another one is Sissy, which just came out. Sissy, Sissy. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to say anything. It's also about an influencer. Very good. Influencer. Oh, I'm sure like, I mean, we've had like documentaries on it, but just like surveillance capitalism movies just about like, you know, building yourself up in the eyes of the empire and how terrifying it is to like live a life in front of cameras and in front of just like displayed full blown on social media, whether it's like you pretending to be happy or you just having a meltdown in front of a camera. It's just like, to me, that's horrifying. The spectacle. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Turning yourself into the spectacle for money. Exactly. How do you make content without being content? Yeah. You can't. Well, <laughs> yeah. Our lives are scary. Damn. Like, I, and I like anything that gets close to exploring those things, I guess, without, and, but, but not in a way that's just like desensitizing me to it. Like, I still would like to hold on to my, you know, softness. <laughs> like, yeah. I would like to hold on to caring about these things. And I think that's why gore is like, at some point, I'm just like, Mm-mm. there's just no, the reason that I watch scary movies is because they make me think and ask these like yes, really intense questions. questions. Mm-hmm. And there's no questions to like torture porn for me. I'm not like, yeah. oh, what is this saying about society? I'm just like, uh, ow. <laughs> yeah, like I think Saw and all of that, like I've thought about it in, in terms of like, why don't I like it? But also like, yeah, they're they're just talking about gamifying life where everything is commodified, everything is a game mm-hmm. and everything is a competition and everything is about this like bread mistrust and individualism and a fight to the death. Like that is capitalism, right? And it's like this rat race taken to the nth degree. And I think that's what gore is. No kink shaming if you do like that stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. Like for for me personally, yeah, just personally, I need to cling to some of my softness because I have been desensitized to lots of other types of horror. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's just my my life. So (laughs) I'm like, I need to feel something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not not all horrors can become the norm for me, you know? Thanks for listening, ghouls. And don't forget to check those show notes at disorderland.substack.com. We put some links and extra stuff in there, so be sure to subscribe to get us in your inbox a few times per month. Come on down to the comment section under this episode on Substack to tell us your thoughts or send your questions, comments, or suggestions to disorderland at gmail.com.